Welcome back, everyone. It is a Sunday, very early morning where I am on the East Coast. It is 12.06 in the morning. It is 11.06 in Kansas City, where I'm joined by Justin Horniker. And it is, I think, 10.06 in Salt Lake City. They've got to be mountain time, right? Yeah, that's how um, mountain time works, right? There's that right. weird like couple of days where mountain time doesn't catch up, or is that just Arizona? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Royal Riot guys, get back to me on that one. It's a miracle that Salt Lake City acknowledges any terrestrial time zone (laughs) at all. Um, It's 10.06. I was correct. Salt Lake City, by the way, a a beautiful city. Just an incredibly beautiful location. But uh, not a beautiful game of soccer there today for Real Salt Lake, as we will get into. Uh, But before we do that, Justin, it's a late Saturday night where you are. How are you doing? How's your weekend going? How are you feeling? Doing good. It's going great. Had a long day of watching soccer today, which I always appreciate with the NWSL kicking off today. So Uh it was good. It's been a good day out here. What are your uh, what are your expectations for NWSL? What are you looking forward to? Talk to us about that sport. Just the chaos. Well, it's the same sport. It's the same. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to us about that sport. There's a lot of uh, really good young players in the league this year who are you know starting to make their debut or make their jump, and that's really exciting if you're a neutral soccer fan. They're uh, of course you they are. had two games today. The rest of the games are tomorrow. So in your today, as you're listening to this, I guess. Now, you're an esteemed reporter for the NWSL, specifically specifically the KC Current, as I understand. Uh, Are you beholden to maintain impartiality in all things, or do you get to openly cheer for KC Current? I think because, yeah, I'm not credentialed necessarily, so I I can still cheer for them. You can talk to people, though, (laughs) in an official capacity. You know what I'm saying? I guess credentialed enough for me. Mm -hmm. I don't get to do that. Ian doesn't get to do that. Ian's mm. not even here today. He right. Has, we don't even let him on the pod anymore. Yeah. He has <laughs> a severe case of ringworm. Just devastating case. Uh, of ringworm. You hate to hear it. You hate to hear it. You hate to hear it. But honestly, when you live life the way Ian does, mm. it's not a surprise. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, Ian, get better soon. But maybe. Hey, maybe we're, kinda... we're cheering for you. We're thinking about you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea what causes ringworm. So I was going to make a joke about, you know, maybe cut out the whatever and. I know uh, we had a ringworm problem at St. Mary's Wrestling Gym once upon a time, so I think it's like damp conditions, stop, I believe. Stop <laughs> sweating on other men. <laughs> how much do I, how many times do I have to tell you this? Um, beautiful. <laughs> Incredible. So let's dive into what we're here to talk about tonight, which is a four to nothing 
uh, dominant yes. victory Destruction, over dismantling St. Louis City SC over Real Salt Lake in uh, what is it called? America First, Amer- first, yeah, first uh, country, not to be America confused Park. with the nationalistic slogan, it's the uh, credit union actually that ah, just so okay. happened to have that unfortunate name. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I love America, so you know. Yeah, go ahead. What's and unfortunate? What's unfortunate about right. about that? That's right. Do yeah. you hate the red? These colors don't run, Justin. Uh, but it was a bludgeoning. It was a second half bludgeoning. It certainly certainly didn't start out as a bludgeoning, and I think we'll have to talk about that uh, once we get the initial reactions out of the way. But overall vibes after a four goal night, a goal from. Nicholas Giacchini that became the game winner. Two goals from uh, our dear Todd, Todd, yeah, I can't speak, towering friend Klaus, and a fourth goal from Rasmus Alm, correct? Is that who the fourth goal came from? Yeah, Rasmus um, Alm getting in, getting in the mix. Almost uh, something, you know, I didn't, it was an, it get was an Alm joke. Hey, it's still um, early in the season, you know, we got time. Right. That's right. But, His first uh, what, goal. What's the vibe check? How are you feeling? It's five wins. We have not only made history for an expansion club, we have built on that history. How are you feeling right now? Feeling good. It's hard to look at this game as anything other than like a positive outcome and a result like this on the road where you just kind of squeeze the life out of them throughout the second half. Like, it's hard to not feel extremely confident after a game like this. And like RSL might not be a great team. And like outside of Austin, the teams that we've beaten so far might not be great teams, as I always say. But like mm-hmm. it's hard to really see any faults of this. They're now, since they let up that goal in the third period of Portland, they haven't let up a goal in the next two plus games. So like defensively, they've been just incredible. Yeah. They've looked really good defensively, um, and Klaus looks really good. Obviously, obviously, one of his two goals was once again a an inexplicable gift. I don't know why people <laughs> think that this man who when is, you watch that back too, it's like the guy is trying to pass to the other side of the field on the ground where Klaus is like directly standing in in the point right between the two. So how do you not see this large man standing directly in the center of your field of view? I don't get it. It's a fair (laughs) question. And this is a man who's second in the, uh, you know, MLS golden boot race. Do you know who's number one right now, Justin? Uh, Was that my boy, J-Mo Smooth? Did he move up into first place with his four goals tonight? It is, of course, Jordan Morris Mm. of the Seattle, I almost said Kraken, Sounders. but yeah, I don't know why they feel the need to keep gifting Klaus goals. It should be as one, <laughs> as the commentator tried to say today, it should be Klaus giving the gifts. Oh, uh, as his name would suggest. But yeah, um, that's the pun they go off with that yeah, one. Yeah, that that joke <laughs> fell on deaf ears. Uh, he won't get he won't get a gift for Christmas. But in any case, uh, yeah, but. He looked great. He played fantastic. His goal off the volley was beautiful. The uh, set piece goal mm. by Jokini was also very, very, very nice, very clean. Um, exactly what you want from a corner kick like that. And came at a time when I think there was a lot um, still to be played for. Obviously, it was a, a tie game. It was no, no score at that point. So that, of course, goes without saying. But 
as I mentioned and alluded to, I don't think we dominated in the first half. In fact, I would say that it was at best even and potentially a little worse than that um, in the first half of the game. I think Real Salt Lake had the better of the chances. Berkey made a couple of huge saves. Um, and, uh, you know, that goal came early in the second. And from there, for whatever reason, the wheels mm. just fell off for Real Salt Lake. And uh, Klaus got his beautiful goal. And after that, it was just uh, we could have scored 100, you know, I think. Yeah. And by the way, I've never I have never heard a stadium with people in it quieter than that stadium was towards the end of this game. I mean, I realized there weren't a lot of people and it was miserable and all the credit in the world to the people who were there and stayed there. But my God, the, the expression you could hear a pin drop mm. is obviously hyperbole, but I, I believe it in that game tonight. Yeah. I, I think they're pretty pin drop. frustrated that they like with the team in general. And they thought that, you know, getting some reinforcements that it would be a much better showing. And you look at the first half and there were, there were reasons for Salt Lake to be like kind of encouraged if you're a Salt Lake fan after that first half. And then to have like all the life just ripped out of you over the course of the next 30 minutes is I think uh, a bit gutting. And it makes you Mm -hmm. wonder if it was worth going to a game in nine degrees to watch that. (laughs) (laughs) I would say probably not would be my guess, but I'll let, everyone else make up their mind on uh-huh, that right for it would have been great for me as a st louisan but yeah i mean i was still wouldn't have been all that great it wasn't now it was like a so, I'm still partially so brutal. frozen from last yeah. week's st louis game so it was so brutal that it was almost i mean i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie it was a lot of fun to watch but it almost <laughs> felt like it wasn't fun to watch you know yeah what i will say that. that hammer home the klaus point it felt like that in this 4-4-2 that jokini and klaus are finally like starting to understand where each other are going and i feel like that's important mm-hmm. because klaus is a little bit unorthodox and so is jokini really with his run so like it's nice to see that understanding start to come together as well yeah definitely i mean those those players have been obviously instrumental I think Jokini, you know, as much as Klaus gets all the credit and Lovin doesn't get all the credit and probably deserves a lot more than he got uh, or than he gets. But I think Jokini has been, you know, quietly, arguably the MVP of the season um, for us in just in terms of kind of coming out of nowhere and doing what he's doing and doing it so well. And, you know, it's great, too. It's exciting because now he's kind of working his way back into um, Team USA contention and that sort of thing. And that's cool to see uh, with a a U.S. squad that has a a lot going on right now, which maybe we'll talk about towards the end of the episode. But, um, yeah, I think it's just exciting to see him maturing and developing. Talk to me about what you see in his game so far. Yeah, I think he's just confident. Um, I talked or asked Carnell about it for an article that i'm working on for st louis bag for later this month but like i asked him why yeah that was that nice plug was that sweet uh asked him why like jokini was fitting in so well like in orlando and it was a short stay obviously and like you're coming into a well-established team and trying to work your way into fitness but like it just wasn't working and it made you wonder like what is this guy especially with how Mm -hmm. things ended at montpellier but like seeing him fit into the system and Carnell was just talking at length about how Jokini has like such a big engine and empties his tank and just goes and goes and goes and has quality to finish things off. And you hear that and it just sounds like the perfect player for this system and it's paying off two goals in the last two games. 
And I think perfect player for this system describes pretty much everyone on the team through yeah. five games. Yeah. I mean, we we talked about it, and I think that was the narrative a lot about this team going into the season is that, hey, they're obviously building for a system. They're obviously very particular with the players they've chosen. I think the general assumption, though, was that there just wasn't enough talent there to um, keep up. Uh, and I think that comes part in part from vastly underestimating uh, the two DPs that we have who have been fantastic and, yeah. and huge difference makers. And then those role guys like Joe Keeney probably being the most notable among them um, are, you know, playing are playing a huge role for this team. And they really have made that system succeed and now we've got five wins in a row and you could argue each one has been more dominant and cohesive than the one before it yeah and i think like to thinking back on those conversations like a lot of the talk was that it was like a usl team with a couple dps but like they did a lot of work during the like expansion draft so vaslev jokini stroud all started this game all had huge impacts honestly erwinski was Mm -hmm. a guy they signed on a free um, after leaving Vancouver, like the trade for Parker, of course, they've, they did well in acquiring that MLS talent after they brought in all the international guys. And I think that kind of goes under the radar because everyone had like made up their mind with how we were building the team before that. Yeah. And then you and hit think, so well with Giochini and Vasilev for sure. Yeah. I think it's important too, to remind that one of the players that was assumed to be a pretty big part of the team and uh, Jabila Blom has not been much of a factor yet. And I thought he was great in the games he's appeared in. Um, but with all the issues with South Africa and his, his health and yeah, everything. But, he you know, we played yet. at the end of this game and he started yeah. full training. So I think he's back. But yeah, yeah, it's a slower integration than he would have maybe liked. Exactly. But I think that just points to the fact that, you know, that that's one of the players coming into the season that the analyst probably would have looked to and said, okay, this guy does have some mm. talent is kind of a big deal is a good get for them, especially not requiring the DP slot. And, uh, you know, he has not been a major part of, of these last three games, especially. So, um, I think it's pretty exciting. I think we, you know, have every reason to think we can win our, our next game at least. And, then the big test will be Seattle, which, you know, I, I think is as good as we feel about this team. We're still probably not feeling great about that particular matchup. No, no, I'm not feeling great about it. I'm feeling worse than I was ahead of this week. (laughs) That level of anxiety at the same time, like, so what, you know, (laughs) if we get there, even if we lose this week and lose that week, we would have taken a four and two start. Or a five and two starts. Uh, You're just banking you know. points at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, th- I think that refrain that the announcers had that they said 58,349 times in the second half of, mm. I think we can remove the expansion tag at this hey, point. And just talk I do about have it. an idea. Uh, we should ban all Apple TV commentators from yeah. mentioning the word expansion <laughs> after like the 25th minute. I think yeah, that's that fine. should be a league wide rule. <laughs> uh, I'm good with that, but you know, who's like this they, for? <laughs> they kept saying it and it, it is, there is the irony of, well, then stop saying it. If you right. want to stop saying it. Um, but like, you know, we, we set the record for the expansion franchise. That is cool. That, that is, that is inarguably cool. But now we've surpassed that and expanded upon it. 
And I do think while we should still think of this in the metric of the success of an expansion franchise and then the race to humiliate and shame the city of Cincinnati mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things. Do we, Stephen, do we have an update graphic? Have we worked on I, that? I haven't done it yet. I will, I will work on it. <laughs> um, our graphics department is severely underpaid ah, and uh, sure they, are. Are, <laughs> they are on strike until I uh, do mm-hmm. the job for them. I'm the greatest cat there's ever been. But, um, but, with all that said, like, I don't think we can divorce the success of this team from its being an expansion team and that being a big deal. With that said, this is just an amazing start for any team, and it's mm-hmm. the best start yeah. in the league this year by far. And um, that is, you know, joke about the announcers or not. It is kind of time to think about that we may be sitting on, we are sitting on 15 points in at the end of March, you know? Yeah. I think at the very least, like playoffs should be an expectation now. Like yeah. with how wide open the playoff field is, I don't feel like that's too much of a reach. I actually, I went out on a limb and I said when the uh, Utah folk had me on their podcast that I think that this is probably like a fourth or fifth rank team. Like I would put them on that like FT Dallas scale mm-hmm. like underneath the seattles and lafcs of the west like i think there's such a big gap in between those top two anyway yeah that this team should be in that conversation well at this point if you were trying to make an argument against this team it would be hard to find a really consistent narrative not not for why they're not this good i mean anybody could paint that picture hmm. nobody's this good but like for why they should actually be just a terrible team or a non-playoff <laughs> team or like yeah. like what you maybe point to the defense, but the defense has two pretty convincing clean sheets in a row. And like, mm. you know, yeah, there's some youth and uncertainty there. There's no real star power, but like, it would have to be the, like, when is there ever star power in a MOS yeah. defense? It would have to be that we had to swap out like eight of our 11 that usually play and just like the structure is all messed up because like the way they yeah. set up makes it so that the center backs don't take up that big of a like load in the defense and mm-hmm. like that's helpful when you don't necessarily have a lot of confidence in your center backs. Right. But I just think, um, you know, and I, I think Nashville is a great example of a team, mm. you know, did people know who Walker Zimmerman was before he became like a big star for Nashville? I feel like it, I feel maybe you can correct me if I'm way off base. No, he was an expansion like his, pickup. Yeah, so his yeah. star rose. Um, to not only MLS prominence, but then international prominence, at least as far as the U.S. men's national team is concerned, they love by being a really good yeah. expansion pickup in in Nashville. You know, so like mm. um, you can and you can argue about how good a player Walker Zimmerman actually is. That's a different argument, but like he's been good. I think he's for, good. He's good. Yeah, he's good been player. good for Nashville and. I think you can kind of say the same thing about, you know, maybe Tim Parker, Kyle Hebert, those aren't guys that you would have come into the season thinking. Canadian international Kyle Hebert, though. You would have never, I would have never guessed that before the start of the season. Right. But like, (laughs) that's how quickly things change, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's how, how big an impact these guys have made. And that's why, you know, Nicholas Giochini is suddenly back on the USMNT radar because, not only are there different eyes in charge of USMNT right now, but there's also, he's shown a completely different side of himself and a completely different level of talent that 
he hadn't shown, you know, at least for several years, he certainly didn't show in Orlando. Mm. Um, and I think, I do think that Bradley Carnell uh, deserves a ton of praise for how this team is playing yeah. and is, has got to be the early contender for whatever they call the MOS manager of the year award. Is um, it I, is it just manager of the year? Hold on. Let me... the, <laughs> the Jack Adams award. Um, why does that sound? But, yeah. Why don't they have it named after some guy who lived in 1930? That's what that's a good question. should be doing. Um, it's just called coach of the year. How lame. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, the Siggy Schmid coach of the year, but no uh, one calls it the Siggy Schmid. I call it that. I will only <laughs> call it that. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like he's been obviously fantastic. Lutz deserves a lot of credit for building the team. Um, and, uh, you know, they were talking today about on the commentary about how some players just need to feel like they have someone who believes in them. It was a very Ted Lasso vibe kind of moment. <laughs> yeah. um, I know Ted, Ted Lasso is a little indie show. You probably haven't heard of it, but um, like afraid to admit how addicted I am to that show. I don't, I don't want people. To know I actually I like haven't show. watched it. And <laughs> I need to, I need to watch it, but, um, but I do. Th- I mean, I think there's some truth to that. We. I don't. I don't want to make the first hockey comparison of this podcast, but I will. We saw this when the Vegas Golden Knights expanded a couple, yeah. several years ago. I was going to say a couple years ago. It's been like half a decade now, more than half a decade. Where you're like giving options to players who like were further down the depth chart, and now yeah. they're actually getting their chance to they show what a- they can do. They picked a couple of young guys who hadn't panned out where they were, but had some hype. They had picked a couple of veterans who bounced around and they really built that kind of scrappy underdog. We weren't one and we didn't have a home. Now we have a home kind of mentality. We'll rip and your fucking head off. That's right. And they <laughs> went to uh, the Stanley Cup final that year. And I'm not saying that uh, that city is going to match that success, but I do think there are some some parallels there just about the reality of, you know, this is a team of people who at different places and different parts of their career were kind of given up on or overlooked or pushed aside. And now they're here in this cohesive place. A lot of them have had a huge opportunity to, you know, be here and be part of this community for a long time, rather than just Mm. coming in this summer, you know, they talked on the, on the uh, game today about Berkey being here last year and, passing up the opportunity to be Byron's backup, which by the way, wrong decision, <laughs> but, but thank you for making it. I mean, you know what it's probably a lot more relaxed. Like if Berkey needed a like half a year to not be stressed out every day of his life, I think that's probably. Yeah, true. <laughs> but, um, but I just think it's, it's that cool kind of uh, family mentality that is is doing a lot for this team and i think carnell deserves a lot of credit for that absolutely but um any any thoughts on the coach or or his style and how it's informed no i liked how this this was the first time they've gone with back-to-back formation so they go with the 4-4-2 again and i think like you almost have to with how well klaus and joaquin are working off each other now um but i'll tell you that like i thought they were smart with how they pressed especially given the altitude they have like two subs come on at the 60th minute. That felt like a planned thing. And then they really took control of the game after that. So like even outside of the system that Carnell plays, he's like five for five on getting these games right too. And the game plan, right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that uh, is obviously a huge factor uh, in the team's success. And I don't know. I mean, it's five games. It's five wins. There's not a lot more. We've said a lot more, but, you know, there's not a <laughs> what ton more, more can to we say, say than that. Um, but I do think it's um, it's just there's no there's not like one miraculous thing that's making this possible. There's not um, one key player that's just blowing the doors off. Obviously, Klaus has been very good. I think we've talked about all the players that have been very good. Um, but it's just a whole team situation, and it's really cool to see. And I think, um, you know, looking forward to next week, uh, a very winnable game, I would say, again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thoughts about that? Minnesota gave up the tying goal in like the 97th minute of the game tonight. So against Vancouver, uh, so like Minnesota at home, you don't want to look like what you have to be afraid of is that they're looking past a not to say that Minnesota is an easier opponent, but looking past Minnesota to the Seattle game, since everyone's going to be hyping that up and then let Minnesota come to St. Louis and sneak one out. But again, it's another home game. That crowd has been crazy. Yeah, I think it'll be a good game, another fun game. And I would I would like to beat Minnesota. I would too. Um, but I feel like we will. I don't know. Like, I mean, I think I think it is natural that we arrive at uh the Seattle game. It it is just the narrative. I hate to say this, but the narrative should be that we arrive at that uh, game undefeated. And that's Minnesota ruins the content, we will be mad. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Minnesota actually is. They haven't lost yet either. They drawn twice against Red Bull in that snow game, and then tonight against Vancouver at the last minute. But they don't let in a lot of goals. They don't score a lot of goals. Their biggest win being two to one over Colorado. They beat Dallas on opening night. So, like, they're a decent team. They could be tough. And like, if you're looking past them and not taking them seriously enough, which I have no reason to think that that would be the case, but. Just uh, you can't write it off. Yeah. Well, I'm not writing it off, but they better win or I will be furious. Um, For Ian's pride, I think they have to win. That's what they need to realize. That's right. Uh, what um, do you have any other takeaways from this game or any other thoughts after three and five wins? In no, I think we, five we hit on all my thoughts. Uh, Good. I don't want to feel overconfident. I think that's like, I just feel so self-conscious about being overconfident about things. That's the the blues fan in me. And uh, I don't want to say things are going too well, but things are going pretty well. Yeah, I would, I would say so. And speaking of uh, situations where things seem to be going pretty well, uh, before we sign off tonight, this is obviously going to be a shorter episode. Uh, Let's talk about a gentleman by the name of, Bowler and Balagun. I'm not completely comfortable saying his name, but I think I did fairly well. Mm-hmm. Fuller and Jerry Balagun, by the way, which is just fantastic. What a what an um, American middle name. We, we that's love right. it. Uh it's it's crazy to me how quickly this has gone from I don't think there's a chance he gets lured away by the US to Oh, it looks like he might yeah. be lured away by the US. In well, the I think what this days. is, I think it's less about well, that we lured him away, and it's more about Garrett Southgate just fumbling the bag on him because he yeah. called him into the U twenty ones, and he is like the second leading scorer in league gun. I mean, he took that yeah. very personally. 
exactly classic uh classic michael jordan vibes but mm-hmm. um i mean i th- i think it's i think it's that but i also you can't you can't underestimate the power of getting to be the man on a team yeah. um and going to orlando magic as games, good as as good as he is right and how could that not how could that not <laughs> seal the deal getting a personalized orlando magic jersey there have been bigger deals sealed sealed than that That's i also like it. so he went to a magic's game in a tampa bay rays game and uh-huh. the magic had him wear the jersey but at the rays game he got a signed yankees jersey Yankee with his jersey, yeah. letter, which i thought that's, was great uh, <laughs> that's how they ended the cuban missile crisis you know gave him a JF, yankees jersey JF, JFK <laughs> sent, no uh an orlando magic jersey oh for, had know, castro yeah, on the back and raul got one too yeah what do you think his number was um uh good question i was trying to think of a of a good cuban number but mm, i didn't have it it's okay we don't have to we don't have to reach that far <laughs> but uh for anyone who isn't initiated which i doubt is many people listening to this podcast but what should we know about fuller and balagon and why is it a big deal that he seems to be very likely potentially switching to the usmnt yeah well you know it's a guy who has a higher profile than really like anyone outside of Gio Reyna has for this team. And, you know, maybe Pulisic, yeah. Maybe Pulisic, but like as like a higher at the peak, like I think Pulisic uh-huh. is getting there, but like, yeah. And he's an Arsenal Academy player. There were people down on him because he went on loan last year for half the season and didn't play well in the championship, but Arsenal loaned him out again to Liga, to Rennes. And he becomes the third highest scorer in league on right now. And he just like has hit another level in his game. As a so, 21 year old. Yeah. As a 21 year old, he's set age group records throughout the, the England youth national team. So like he's been a instrumental player in their national teams all the way up the pyramid, but he can't break through the national team because I think Eric Salkate would rather bring in Jamie Vardy for the a million time. I don't know. I don't know why you don't bring that guy into your national team when like all England has at strikers, Harry Kane, really. But he's a physical, quick striker. The knocks are on him or that like maybe he's not technical enough. But like compared to like if you compare him to Pepe and Pepe, of course, still only 19 and he could like be at Balogun's place in a couple of years. We never know. But he's a couple of years ahead of Pepe on the development curve. And I think it just has a higher ceiling um, Mm -hmm. just with his size and his speed as well he's a very quick player but like if you look at what this team is missing it's a quick dynamic striker that can make things on his own and for as good as like Jesus Ferreira is at certain moments he's just not that like target striker that Balogun is he's like if you gave DK a little more like flair and technique yeah, and I think I think that's where you really, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head of why this is a big deal. It's not just that he's a good young player that, you know, could fit very well into that age group of the players mm. that we have coming up. It's really that he is exactly the player we need. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you couldn't you couldn't build from the ground up a player that fits the USMNT's most desperate need, what they miss the most in this World Cup run. And what they need desperately going forward uh, better than Balogun is. And I think that has to be a major factor in why the recruiting process is so appealing for him. Because, you know, I mean, I think the going logic is, well, obviously, if if you're confident you can be a star in either the English 
or U.S. national team, mm. you're probably going to choose to stay stay with yeah. England, especially if that's the team that you already have spent your career with. Which I'm just uh, I'm still flabbergasted seeing like England fans kind of freaking out about it. Like that, yeah. that is odd to me. That that tells yeah. you you've done something <laughs> good. Yeah, but but the flip side of the point I'm you know trying to make is like, yes, I would agree with that. But first of all as good as he looks as good as his profile looks as as much as above mm. his peers as he might look you can never be sure that you're going to have a place in the england national team because yeah. there's a ton of talent and a bad run of form could lose you a job and harry kane isn't doesn't seem to be going anywhere and x y and z and all that sort of stuff but also just the will the certainty that you will be the man the number nine for the u.s and having that knowledge heading into a cycle where you will get to play in the U.S. for the it World Cup. It's kind of crazy going and from like guaranteed qualification for the next World Cup. Although who isn't for the next World Cup? Right. Which is another another topic we haven't really talked about. <laughs> it's on not this like podcast, England's going to be but... struggling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's got to exactly. be so weird as a 21 year old to go from like questioning whether or not you're going to be able to like ever get into the national team to all of a sudden like going on one trip to the U.S. and being like treated like a superstar. Like that's got to be such yeah. a amazing feeling for a guy yeah and you would think that would be a pretty we put uh, hey we did good we put on the press you know he's feeling it the rumor is the rumor from the boots on the ground is that he has like soft committed um i think they said that they wanted to get him in to be around the camp to kind of see how things were done and give him like that soft introduction and then by the next nation's league window he would be Essentially playing for the US unless things change. But it doesn't seem like it because Southgate yeah, had Southgate's some comments today. Some comments right. today that uh, I don't think are gonna go over it too well. <laughs> Do you have those in front of you or should I look them up? I can find them real yeah, quickly. Yeah, if you want to find um, them real quick. But essentially but they certainly were pretty dour and pretty you know, yeah. he's not bigger than the team and that sort of thing. And they're um, like I don't know. I feel like if you have a young phenom who like desperately wants to play national team soccer and you know he's going to be a future of this program, because like they he even said in it, uh, I believe in that statement that like Balogun has a future with the English national team, but like obviously yeah. not if he's in a way where he's like publicly asking for national team time. <laughs> yeah. So Balogun pulled out of the U21 team due to injury, mm. uh, or at least. Injury yeah, that can only be solid uh, by Orlando's son. Right. Is. That's right. <laughs> um, and he made an Instagram post saying, in life, go where you are appreciated, which certainly seems to point to yeah. going to a different uh, team. Um, he is, um, you know, just behind uh, a little guy, a little unknown indie player named Killian Mbappe, mm. uh, who, you know, and the scoring title. And uh, Southgate here says it is up to a player to weigh up where his heart feels. Is he prepared to wait a little bit for an opportunity if he backs himself and feels he can push his way into our squad? No, because anybody who has followed us will know <laughs> that we will give young players a chance. So we cannot go and give first team call-ups to someone just because they, we don't want them to go somewhere else. We like Flo. He has obviously not had an opportunity in the Premier League yet. So we have to weigh up those goals to Ivan Tony, for example, or Ollie Watkins or Eddie uh, Katia, 
who has done really well with the opportunities he has had at Arsenal. I know there are going to be offers as 80% of our players can play for more than one country now, and we are not arrogant expecting everybody to want to come to play for England. Mm. We have to make them feel wanted. That sounds like a not arrogant statement. (laughs) Ultimately, it does not matter what you say. If you cannot give them the opportunity now, then some people are patient and want to see it through and are prepared to wait a bit, and others want it now, and I can totally understand that. That sounds like the uh, talk of a man who already knows he's defeated. Yeah. <laughs> totally not arrogant. Totally understand that, he says, as he cries into his yeah. pillow at night. Yeah. Um, Gary Southie does look like a man who takes a sad nap. Yeah. And this is another, this is another, this is another quote that will certainly uh, rankle Valigan further if he wasn't already sufficiently rankled. Talking about making a special effort to keep him, he said, I haven't yet because to this point, he has been with the U21s. I'm very happy. Clearly, other nations have been quite aggressive in their recruitment and what they are offering. That, in my experience of history, has been really successful for the players and sometimes hasn't worked out. Countries cap players at 16 or 17 and they disappear. In the end, as a player, I think you back yourself, but you have to ultimately make the decision. We would like him to give it some time. And if he is progressing the way he is and continues that progression, there will be opportunities for him. But I cannot offer him that this week. I think if we did, I don't think that would be fair on Ivan Tony, who has scored the goals he has in the Premier League. Now, there's some, you know, there's some obvious just can just straight up preference for premier league accomplishment there, which doesn't really mean anything. Um, But I mean, I think the very fact that he's able to name two or three guys that could contend with Balogun for, for this job that are around his age group long-term is exactly one of the reasons that Balogun would choose the U S if he can, you know, and and that's the soccer nation on the rise. We have talked about that plenty and, they get to host the next World Cup. There's a lot of compelling reasons to make that switch. And if you're wanted there and you get an opportunity there immediately, mm-hmm. um, yeah, why wouldn't you take that? I don't know. Yeah, you get a chance for like the entire attack to kind of be built around you too. Right. And I think the one, the one kind of unique and cool thing here is that he's committing at a time when the identity of the team is not very clear because we don't have our next manager. <laughs> Um, now, you know, there's a lot of rumors about who that might be. And, uh, I would think an Arsenal striker might, uh, be pretty interested in one of the uh, widely rumored candidates for that job becoming Mm -hmm. his next, uh, head coach internationally. Of course, I'm mentioning or referencing the, uh, Thierry Henry rumors, which, uh, haven't died away. I don't think. I do wonder how much of that just because of how like openly Henri is posturing for it, like how much of a dialogue they've had. Cause I know they talk like they've yeah, talked I mean, to interviews and stuff. Um, I would think that'd be a huge deal. How could it not be? He's, he's a legend. Not only, right. yeah. not only is he just one of the best soccer players of all time and one of the best uh, goal scorers of all time. He's also a legend for the club that you are trying to break through with, you know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, uh, how could that not have an incredibly massive impact? Um, and on top of that, he's also from the country that you're currently playing your league games in. So obviously he's a guy that you're going to idolize and mm. want to be around. And, um, you know, if, if I think, yeah, I Thierry, think Henry... signing Thierry Henry as our uh, coach comes with the side benefit of is it worth it? Ballard, I mean, I think it is. I don't know. I mean, I think, is he the best tactical manager 
Maybe not. But does he have more cachet than literally anyone else mm. we could sign? I think so, you know? I'd be and willing I, to try. God forbid for sure. it's Jose Mourinho. So, you know. Yeah. And it gets away from like the insular US soccer stuff that's gotten yeah. us in trouble. Like, I don't know. Claudio Reina isn't threatening Thierry Henry, right. I, I think. I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> that seems pretty likely. And I mean, I think having just a, a superstar coach that was a player gives these players who want to be superstars a very mm. different, very different perspective than Greg Berhalter. Yeah, I think you've turned me on this, Stephen. I wasn't sold on Henri, but you're you're I mean, getting me there. It's you know, again, I'm not saying he's the best, the number one possibility, you know. It better than like if Jurgen Klopp wanted to be USMNT coach or whoever, but like I can't complain about it too much. I think it's a bold, you know, it's a bold hire. Like you said, it's not just doing the USMNT. Oh, this guy coached in MLS, so he knows what it takes to win in the US. Like that, that's it's a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Now, seeing Thierry Henry uh, have bags of piss thrown at him in a, in a game <laughs> in the Dominican Republic, that. That I cannot wait for. Maybe that stops. Maybe they have such, maybe they hold Thierry Henry in such high regard that it just ceases to happen. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean, it's an exciting time to be a USMNT fan as it has been for a long time now. Uh, I think to their credit, I think that the Berhalter Reina stuff has been handled about as well as it could have been handled. Yeah, they um, almost benefit from it being like interim guy Anthony Hudson. That's kind of like the players' coach anyway. I feel yeah. like, yeah, definitely true. And I think they have they got a big benefit out of Burhalter just having his contract expire anyway, because mm-hmm. then they didn't have to make a yeah. decision between firing him or sticking. It could have been him, you know? so much more messy than it oh, actually oh, was. For sure, as much um, of a mess as it already was. Right, but. Uh, yeah, hopefully Balogun does commit officially, and that will be, uh, you know, a huge, huge win. And I think pretty much set our squad, you know, mm. obviously not on the perimeters, but in terms of who the stars and central players are for that team going forward. Um, you know, he will be kind of the crown jewel in that uh, alongside Gio Reyna and Pulisic and, and uh, Eunice Musa. Like and De La Torre is getting better and better too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a ton of talent. It's really exciting. We should do it. We should do another USMNT deep dive before long. Um, but today was mostly about Klaus, but it felt timely to talk about our friend Flo. Yeah. And well. they won seven one yesterday. So it's a good time to feel optimistic about so many teams scoring so many goals. That's right. Um, Klaus and Flo are two are two friends. Um mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say about soccer, about the about the world, about life, Justin? Uh well I will say that Christian Pulisic looked good last night, which was refreshing. But uh very that's, refreshing. That's what my life is. My life is thinking about soccer now. <laughs> my life is thinking about <laughs> Christian Pulisic. <laughs> Hershey, Pennsylvania's own. You might you mm-hmm. might be interested to learn. I have heard that, yes. That's right. Um All right. Well, that is it then. That's a shorter episode for a late evening. Uh, It would be cool to have a game start at like 630 Central. Yeah, these uh, these West Coast. That's why I hate being in the West. I wish we were in the East where we could have like 605 start times. It'd be great. Oh, baby. (laughs) 
you know, it's worth staying up for this team. They're so fun to watch. I've never, I've never fallen in love with a team so quickly. And they are very like very easy exciting. to just, I don't yeah. know. I think it's because they play like such 110% all the time that you, uh huh. Like it's a, it's contagious when you watch they it. They wear on a team. Yeah. And they've done it consistently now. And I hope they will do it again against the loons in a couple of days' time. Uh, I am beautiful birds. Not as beautiful jerseys, beautiful jerseys, not as good as the soccer team. (laughs) If we beat them, I will feel less bad about buying one of those jerseys, though. So, I think you have to, yeah, bet on yourself, Stephen. (laughs) Bet on myself, bet on Klaus, and bet on Fowler and Balagon. So, uh, that's it. I uh appreciate all of you for listening, as I'm sure does Justin. Mm -hmm. Ian, um, take lots of whatever you take to get rid of ringworm. Probably yeah, stop wrestling with Jeff in the basement. We've told you guys to knock it off. All right. How do you treat ringworm? Don't show me any pictures. I'm, of this I'm sure it's just like cream of some sort. Non-prescription antifungal creams. Wow. Oh, there you okay. go. Yeah. Good for you. Two to four weeks. Well, he's, he's, so oh. he might miss a few more episodes, but. Um, it's a lot of itching. That's right. On that uh, note. <laughs> with that said, yeah, let's go ahead and sign off here, everybody. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed uh, this wonderful defeat of Real Salt Lake. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend and goodbye. Adios. You know it's hard out here for a Changes for me, but I gotta keep my game tight like Kobe on game night. Like taking from a hole, don't know no better. I know that I ain't right. Done seen people kill, done seen people deal, done seen people live in poverty with no meals. It's fucked up where I live, but this is how it is. It might be new to you, but it's been like this for years. It's blood, sweat, and tears when it come down to this shit. I'm trying to get rich before I leave about this bitch. I'm trying to have things, but it's hard for a pimp. But I'm 